Hello and welcome to Qualia Game Talk, where we hear stories from people who make and play games. My name is Gareth Griffiths. I'm an indie game developer using C-Sharp, Unity and Blender. And of course, I love games. In today's episode, I'll talk about my gaming history so that you can get a feel for the types of games I grew up playing. It all started in the very humble beginnings with the Apple Macintosh. It wasn't the first one, I believe it was the second edition, the Apple SE. Uh, and it was brought home by my father from his work. He was a lecturer at Brighton University where he taught uh, human interface design. Um, which was all blah 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 to me as a little kid. All I knew was that we had this amazing computer that could do all kinds of things. Um, I must have been very, very young, probably like five, going on six, um, possibly even a little bit younger than that, um, when I first got to play with it. And I think to start off with, it was just very simple using uh, the Paint app to create digital drawings, something that me and my sister used to love doing. Um, it wasn't until maybe a year or so later that uh, my father started bringing home games which he would pick up from the students or they'd be sent out via uh, magazines or all the rest of it. But he started bringing back a collection of very simple vector-drawn black and white uh, games for the Apple. These were super, super early, but very, very exciting. Um, one of the first ones that I can remember playing was a game called A Peachy Strike where you were basically in this sort of American attack helicopter flying around a city, which was on a perfect grid. And you had to blast the hell out of tanks, other helicopters um, and various other troops that were in the city. Uh, it was absolutely incredibly done, especially for its time. You know, that having the, the radar on the side, allowing you to see where you were in the city, You'd have enemies sort of gauge, telling you how many you'd kill, the score, your lives, your fuel, obviously. All these types of uh, parts of the screen inside what looked like a 3D environment. So this was a very, very early game making use of uh, 3D. And I spent many, many hours playing that game and absolutely loved it. I'm sure everybody has heard of Frogger. Um, my first experience of Frogger was again on the Apple SE. So um, it was black and white. You played as top down and you were a frog trying to cross the road uh, one click at a time. Yeah, this game was actually multiplayer. So two people could hammer, them, hammer away and try and get across to the other side. It took a lot of skill and determination to jump into the hole where there would be a, a juicy fly waiting for you. But it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun for a little kid to really perfect the art of making a digital character move across the screen. There was something about video games, I particularly remember as a child, which just completely took my attention and wrapped me up in another world. And I just couldn't get enough of it. One game I used to love playing a lot with a few of my friends was one called Shuffle Pup Cafe. 
Now, Shuffle Puck Cafe, for those that haven't seen it or played it, it's definitely worth checking out because the art on it is just sublime. Uh, it takes, it's the, the game starts with uh, a play, well, let me start from the beginning. So game starts where you are inside what looks like a cafe and there's all these characters all staring at you. Um, one of them is like a beautiful ma magic woman. There's a ghost in the corner. There's a robot behind the bar. There's a big beefy man with a handlebar moustache just staring you down. And at the very bottom of the screen, there's a little uh, pair of eyes poking, uh, staring out at you. Uh, so you basically would click on a character that you wanted to play and all of them had their own ability and skill. So maybe the uh, robot could reach and do some crazy tricks while uh, the big beefy guy would slam it really, really fast. Um, so depending on who you were playing, you'd have to adapt your style. And again, it was a, a sort of a 3D style. So you were sitting at one end of the shuffle puck and at the other end would be the opponent you were playing. And you'd have to smash it back and forth, which uh, again, hours and hours of entertainment for kids. Now, one of the games that I played and was clearly too young, but I think my father was completely oblivious to how scary I found it, was Scarab of Ra, which was um, one of the first Mac roguelike uh, games. You basically ran around a pyramid trying to pick up items and uh, skirt around scary monsters. Um, I'm, I can't really remember what I was trying to do. You're probably trying to find the Scarab of Ra um, or some such magical item. Um, I don't think I could even read at the time. And there's a lot of writing uh, inside, the, um, inside of the menu, which sort of tells you what you're doing. I think using text inside of games where the graphics are limited enables a, a lot deeper gameplay. And this was one that seemed to do it very well. Although being around six, I wasn't able to read it and or understand it at least. So I would just run around um, clicking and figuring out my way around. But there was this really, really terrifying moment where a mummy would appear and the mummy would have its hand up and just be staring me down. And I thought the mummy was going to come out of the screen and kill me. So as soon as that thing appeared on the screen, I'd be hiding under the desk with my little hands poking up over the top, desperately bashing the mouse button, trying to get that mummy to disappear so I could play because it, it was just absolutely terrifying. And even looking at it now, it is bringing back a, a small shudder in my soul. So that's a game that I'll have to revisit and try and complete someday. I particularly like this sort of roguelike style where you have the permadeath and you have to pick up items and figure out puzzles uh, as you go along. Uh, yeah, so going on to the next game, there was uh, Risk, which obviously started out as a board game, but um, I don't think I've ever played a single game of the first Risk board game because um, it's just very long. Oh, maybe that's a lie. Maybe I've tried to play it once but never completed it. Uh, I've actually owned one of the vintage copies of it, but um, I've played plenty of the later 2210 uh, Risk game where you have generals and special cards, but not the original. And part, 
of that reason is because there's a lot of shuffling around troops and dice throws and it, it, it takes a long time to play a single game. Whereas on the computer, that just completely changes it. So this game that would normally be a lot of setup and careful cards and pushing characters around, which I'm sure some people enjoy, enjoy became so much faster and smoother played on the computer. But all this didn't really matter because uh, the first experience I had of Risk was um, playing it on the Apple SE, this little black and white game where there was a map of the world. So obviously uh, I was learning uh, at least where countries were in the world and had quite a good understanding of that. But then each territory would have its own pattern. And I seem to recall that the uh, AI or in the game was actually very, very good. So I thought what we'd do is I'd have my sister and maybe my friend Josh, and we could play up to five players. Um, and then we could chuck a couple of uh, AIs in to get the numbers up. And it, this would be like my first real experience of very, very hardcore strategy multiplayer game. And I used to love this, you know, really trying to work out the best way to, to win against everybody in the computer. Um, and obviously it was something that was very challenging uh, and a lot of fun. And actually Risk is a game, probably the, my most played game ever. Um, I still play it today. I play the, the Warzone version, which uh, is, it has an Android app, uh, iOS app, and you can play it online as well. And um, it's just very nice because you can play multiplayer. I've got a bunch of friends that are all on it. And uh, yeah, Risk is something where it's turn-based. So, you know, you can play on your own schedule. You know, we're all having a bit of banter while we're playing. You have to make alliances. You have to figure out your tactics, but you don't have to all play at the same time. So it just means that we can keep these games going for weeks and sometimes months. Uh, and it's just a lot, a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so my friend Tom, he lived two houses up the road and his father also brought home an Apple SE. And Tom just really got to grips with it very, very quickly. Uh, there was a software that Apple released called HyperCard and HyperCard allowed you to do all kinds of mm, kind of like scripted uh, programming uh, to make your own apps and games. And uh, Tom, we must have been seven or eight by this point, managed to learn how to do animation inside of it and then program the animation so that we could actually make our own games. So it was up to me to do the artwork. So I got busy designing some rat-themed caverns uh, with rat superheroes. And then there were snakes, Jake the Snake, that we had to jump over and kill. Um, and I seem to remember there being a spaceship where the rats needed to escape to. And this game was fully playable. I think we made the first level at least. Um, and it was bloody insane that two kids were able to pick up this hypercard software from Apple and create a video game. I seem to remember I showed it to my father and he, his jaw hit the floor. Um, he was just amazed that we'd managed to do that. So he 
took the game into his university to show all the students, you know, this is what a couple of kids are able to achieve with the, with the system. So you guys should be able to do something a hell of a lot better. I'm not sure if they did or not. Uh, and I don't think we have a copy of the game anymore because those were floppy disk days and floppy disks are easy to lose and misplace or corrupt. So that one has gone to the, the, where would it go to data heaven? Um, and there's no more except in a figment of our imagination, but that was probably my first experience of actually developing a game and uh, working with a friend to make it happen. Very, very good times. Um, the first console that uh, I got my hands on was the Atari Pong, and uh, it must have been up in up in the attic since before I was born, because one day my, my father was like, oh, look, look what I found. And I was amazed because it was my first console system. We put some batteries in it and plugged it into the TV and uh, it had little paddles on it. So we both had to hold on to the same hardware, which was the console and move the, uh, the paddle up and down to play this Pong. And obviously hours and hours were spent challenging each other and battling it out. I think eventually the cable wore out um, because that is also sadly no more. But boy, did we have some good times challenging each other to that. I recent, recently watched uh, The Billionaire Club, this Netflix series, which talks about how uh, the Earth, uh, Google's Earth came into fruition. Um, and the characters in that are absolute pros and there was a lot of nice memories. I highly recommend watching that if you get a chance. It's, uh, it's very entertaining. Uh, one of my best friends, Josh, he lived down the road and he actually got hold of um, the next Mac, Macintosh. I'm not sure what version it was, but it was color screen. So it was of the SE, the first color one, um, and obviously more powerful. And we played uh, Sim City on that, which was, again, a huge amount of time went into building very detailed cities, you know, we were trying to work out uh, how to basically fill up the screen with these um, skyscrapers that looked a bit like alien spaceships. Um, or, you know, we'd get it to a certain point and then let the fires come down or the aliens invade or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, that definitely taught me a lot about management, uh, resources, uh, but also design, like the layouts. Um, how people need to live near a road, uh, putting in schools. And I just remember the, the sounds being really, really nice and, and beautiful. And obviously just having the animation and creating this space. I mean, you know, I haven't played much of Minecraft, but I totally see why kids just get so absorbed into that, being able to create and this freedom. And, you know, as a kid, um, your imagination just runs wild and, this I think the other part about this is the scale. It's like, you know, there's this tiny world going on, but actually from their perspective, it's huge. And that sort of change in scale, especially as a child, was, was really, really wonderful to play. Probably around the same time, one of my friends, uh, well, actually it was Tom again. They'd moved, he'd moved house this time. Uh, he had set up a couple of uh, early Windows machines 
possibly even just running DOS, or it could have been Windows 3.1 or just DOS. Anyway, very, very early machines. And we got a copy of Doom and we managed to network them up. Uh, so Tom was working on getting them networked for days. I came over and probably just sat around looking bored for a couple of hours while he uh, redid all the IPs and jiggled everything. But then we managed to play multiplayer Doom and it was awesome. So that was the first experience of um, the sort of 3D shoot 'em up um, FPS game. Uh, we spent a lot of time cruising around, gunning each other down, finding rockets, finding other tricks. Um, and that was a really cool experience as well, just seeing what was possible and getting an idea that this was going to be the future. Uh, other games that I played a lot of were Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. Um, I guess everyone growing up in, who was a kid in the 90s would have been very much into this game. I think Nintendo just did a superb job on... Um, probably the main part is keeping it fun for everybody. You know, if you're further back, uh, if you're one of the losing people in the race, you're given higher bonuses to kind of shoot you to the front. And if you're in the front, you're not getting such good ones. So it just meant that every game you'd have these really uh, nail biting finishes, uh, a lot of fun. And also being two player meant that you no know, winner stays on and all the rest of it. Uh, the other game that had a big impact on me was Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, Sonic came out on the Mega Drive and just the sounds from that are still perfectly lodged inside my mind. It was just beautifully made. The, the speed of it as well, just how fast the hedgehog moved, your reactions, uh, the characters as well, the, um, the bad doctor and all the cute little animals that you had to rescue along the way. It just all looked so beautiful. Uh, my first handheld console was the Nintendo Game Boy, and I used to play a lot of Tetris. I actually managed to get hold of a, a Link, and with my friend Amy on the school bus, we would battle it out, playing Tetris, uh, seeing who could top the highest score. Um, we actually know someone that spent a lot of time designing the, the look of Tetris, Roger Dean. Uh, so it was kind of cool to have a connection to someone that was making this game, which we were all really, really, really into. Uh, another game that I enjoyed playing on the Game Boy was Micro Machines. Uh, just growing up, I used to love racing. Um, Nigel Mansell, who was an F1 uh, racing champion, was my hero. And I loved playing micro machines. I had tons of micro machines and it was so cool to be able to play play this game. I think it was the first game that I ever completed um, and just sessioned that non-stop. So around the age of 12, Tom, who has had a massive influence on my gaming and uh, generally being a geek, came to me with this uh, game that he'd found, a MUD, which a MUD for people that don't know is a multi-user dungeon. So these were games that are all text-based, but they are multiplayer. 
and they were started in the 80s and a lot of them are still going today. So you can imagine like 40 years of development, some of these games now are absolutely vast with loads and loads of detail. Uh, the game that Tom found was uh, Discworld Mud. So Terry Pratchett is the author of the Discworld series. Um, they are books about um, all kinds of characters. They're very funny, sort of sci-fi, fantasy sci-fi really. And they take place on the Discworld, which is a world sitting on top of four elephants that are in turn standing on top of a turtle that is swimming through space. And yeah, I he showed it to me and he Tom had managed to create a uh, assassin and he was running around doing quests and stabbing things and talking to people, grouping with people. And I just couldn't believe that there was this game that was persistent. So when I logged off, other people were still on playing and it just, I, my whole world was shaken by it. I was talking to it about everybody nonstop. I remember trying to explain to my mom how it worked, how it was possible like what goes on inside the game. Um, but the funny thing is that my character timed out and I had to start from the beginning. And I needed the internet, obviously, to, to play this game, which we didn't have at home. So I asked my dad if I could come to his work and sit in his office and tap away. So I logged in and I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out how to get out of the newbie area. There was this damn Womble that was crying that had lost its brooch and I had to go around and find it. But everywhere I looked, I couldn't see it. I couldn't find it. I was just, it was just hopeless. So the whole day went by, six or seven hours, and I hadn't found this damn brooch. But um, I, hadn't, I didn't give up. So the next day I went back in, tried again. Um, massive fail. I ended up having to ask my friend Tom, how, how do you do it? And he taught me that there's a command called search and when you search you find objects um, so I had to go type search in all the rooms in order to find the brooch give it to the Womble and then I, I appeared in Ankh-Morpork which was the uh, one of the biggest cities in, in Discworld um, it's then up to you to join one of I think seven or eight guilds I decided to be a thief and um, you then level up and go on adventures go go fighting, go stealing, you can be a wizard, you know, you know how all these games go, it's, uh, these sort of RPGs are all the rage, but for me it was my first experience of having my own pet, because uh, you could get dogs, you could get dragons that you had to look after, uh, you could get married to other players in the game, some, you know, I was pretty young, I'm pretty sure that's the first time I had a, a girlfriend that's put massive uh, quotation marks there, uh, first love, uh, digital love anyway. Um, but yeah, as well, you could, if you wanted to, you could turn your character into a, uh, a player killer. So this allowed player versus player battles. And, um, obviously I didn't know what the hell I was doing and there were other people that really knew what they were doing. So I signed up to go what's called PK and got absolutely served repeatedly. But um, for some reason, I stuck with the same character and just got used to it and uh, probably made my gameplay a lot better and faster and a lot more interactive because not only was I having to watch out for NPCs, non-player characters, 
but I was also uh, being chased down by very high level players and being smoshed or having to make friends with people and get protection um, and level up my skills. Uh, there was a lot of revenge going on. So if someone stabbed someone, you'd go and try and do it back to them. And you know, you knew you had to look out for certain players. Uh, it was so, so much adrenaline at times that I remember shaking so hard that I was finding it very, very difficult to enter in commands. And you'd enter in the commands by typing on the keyboard. It was just very, very tricky to, uh, to keep calm while your character was going up in flames. Um, so yeah, big community, there's lots of boards. Um, I got quite involved with my guild and, um, went into the politics and got voted in as monitor and various positions. So that was, that was really nice. And once a year, there'd be a big meetup nearby London where all of us geeks would descend on the, I think it was Fulham for one weekend of shenanigans. And that was really nice because, um, you know, you're meeting all these strangers that you're, well, semi-strangers, people that are just text names to you. And you get to meet in real life and see that there's real people behind it and share tactics, share stories. There's just something so nice about being around other people that really understand what your passion is. And for me at the time, that was playing this game. So I really get get when people go to expos and um, want to meet other fans of their their games, their movies, their characters. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of love between people when you when you come together and you can share your experiences. Um, the, the kind of downside to these type of games is they are highly, highly addictive, particularly if you're, uh, I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, maybe really interested in um, competitive, getting higher numbers, um, embedding yourself in the politics. So. For a long time, I really struggled to find the balance between being able to stop playing and concentrate on other things. My mind would always try and pull me back to it, which at first was kind of complicated because when we got internet at home, um, we, I needed to use the phone line and my father uh, would be expecting calls and uh, nobody would be able to get through because I'd be on the line playing this game. Um, so... It caused some slight difficulties there, but then obviously we moved to cable and uh, and then I, I went studying at university and I found myself like after the partying, or partying kind of stopped, then I'd go to the library and stay up until six o'clock in the morning playing, playing disc and then roll into bed and get up and then go to cl some classes and repeat. So... It was around that time when I kind of realized that actually I wanted to start playing real life, the video game, you know, that, that game where when you turn off the monitor, it's all around you. And I wanted to level up at that. So that was around the time when I decided to start putting my, uh, my studies first and holding back on the game. And fortunately there was a lockout feature so you could lock yourself out for day a few weeks and I think I did it for a few weeks just to get out of the habit and um, get on with my studies but it's still a game where I have friends that uh, are still playing and you know, I stopped playing maybe probably 10-15 years ago and you know they're still there their characters are super duper and I do enjoy going back occasionally and saying hi to people and going around grouping and yeah it's kind of cool there's a lot of quests um, 
and it's just a fun world to go and get yourself lost in occasionally so i'll as long as my character stays alive i'll keep it and uh, occasionally go back and visit so if you see me there my name's gaz uh, g-a-z uh, wave and say hello um yeah probably my second year of uni world of warcraft came out and um i decided to well i had to try it everyone everyone was raving about it so i bought it and uh, you get the first month free and then obviously you have to start paying for it my dad had already agreed that um, he was going to give me the um, the subscription i'm not sure why um, probably just thought it'd be a nice thing to do uh, but i played it for the first week and i just realized how addictive this game was i, I was kind of getting over discworld and here was this just game where it had the graphics and it had everything all the leveling and everything that disc had and I was like so sucked into it that I decided that I was just going to play it for the first month and then I was going to go cold turkey and turn up and never play it again and with hindsight I'm I am glad that uh, I did that because I wasn't able to control my gaming habit then and um, although I, I feel a bit like I missed out on a lot of uh, adventures with people, um, I also spent a lot of time on my studies learning how to program, um, so it's kind of worth it. it. World of Warcraft is one of those games where I'd like to come back to at some point and, and give it another go. I remember uh, one of my friends, Jacob, uh, let me play with his level 60 mage um, because there were these kind of pvp battles uh where you'd go with your team and fight the other person and uh obviously over one month i didn't get anywhere near that high um but that was just really kind of fun to to play that it felt like a different game it wasn't so much about the grind it was more about working with the team to figure it all out so that that was uh that's something interesting and something i'd like to go back and definitely definitely try um so a game that I will clear my schedule for is Grand Theft Auto. Uh, ever since the first one came out, where you are it's top down and you are running around a city in America, um, pulling people out of cars, shooting people, jumping in cars, zooming off. I've I've been absolutely hooked. I've completed, I think, pretty much all of them. Um, I made an effort to play San Andreas on the mobile when it came out and play that all the way through again. Um, I don't think Grand Theft Auto 5 has come out on the mobile, but when it does, I will certainly play my way through that one. I'm sorry if I'm wrong on that. I should probably be a bit more up to date, but um, I did play Grand Theft Auto twice, like once on PlayStation, once on PC. So I'm probably it's probably about time to get back onto GTA 5 if it has been released for mobile. But this is just a game where I just love how um, there's so many elements there which are kind of just twisted and wrong or just really simple. Like I remember having to mop the floor to, to hide some footprints so that I wouldn't get caught. So here I am, you know, you can either go running around shooting down helicopters or no, you're inside just mopping the floor. And I just, I love this contrast between high action and kind of silliness. Um, and then obviously in San Andreas, you've got the whole gang culture and all the symbols and the colors um, and just 
kind of seeing this world uh, that I have absolutely no connection to um, and kind of getting to play it and just get into it and make choices inside of that to see to see how how you would do and obviously it's all total fantasy but um it's a lot of fun to take you away and uh go into it so when the next gta comes out my schedule will be shut down until i've played all the way through that and some really really love that and i've loved all of them so these days um you'll find me on warzone for sure i love warzone uh, that's the risk game uh, playing with a group of friends. Sometimes we're playing team battles. Sometimes it's one versus all, and it's just all the politics uh, that I really like. You just have to, uh, yeah, just have to be very open, um, kind of hide your strength, and then put all your cards on the table and go for it. Um, so that's a game which I really, really enjoy playing. A game that I was playing this summer was uh, NetHack. And I'm sure lots of people have played that. For people that don't know, it's a, a very minimal uh, graphic game where top down your character is an at symbol and then you're uh, fighting um, demons or monsters inside of a, a multi-level level dungeon. And you have to pick up potions and magic and weapons along the way in order to, to, beat, to beat it and find an amulet. I didn't complete it and I kind of stopped after after a while. I was having a lot of fun with it, but um, it got to the point where I was like, okay, if I'm going to take this seriously, I'm going to need to get out a spreadsheet. I didn't really want to start reading loads of wikis to figure it all out. I, I prefer to play the game myself uh, and find all the little tricks. Um, so I was like, do I really want to get out a spreadsheet and start playing it? to that depth. Uh, so I read a few little tips online and I realized just how deep the game is. Um, so I will definitely be coming back to this um, probably when I've retired uh, and I will complete it someday. But for now, I've put that on ice. Um, but it was a really cool experience to play that. And a lot of the ideas I'm sure I will be using in games that I'm going to be working on over the next few years. So I'll probably be visiting it every now and then, but I'm going to complete it. Um, once I've got a lot of time. Uh, another game that I have tried recently is Valheim. Uh, one of my friends has set up a server and that's where you're a Viking and you need to go explore this beautiful land where there's creatures or animals that you can attack and skin and then you can build whole Viking lodges and ships for exploring this vast world that's all generated and, and unique. Um, it's still very early days for me on that one, so I can't comment too much, but already I can see that my friend Jacob's built a lot of cool buildings and done a lot of the hard work, so maybe I can skip a lot of the grinding and uh, get a nice axe from him. I'll have to report back on that one. Uh, and yeah, one of my favorite games that uh, I'm playing at the moment, well, I have been playing ever since it first came out, is Worms, particularly Worms Armageddon, because we can play that online with uh, a few friends. And it's a nice game because we can, we, you know, we can have a bit of banter while we're playing. Uh, obviously, if you're in charge of the worm, um, it's very hard to hold a conversation while also aiming a rocket launcher making sure that you're firing it the right at the right with the right wing uh, wind speed but that is awesome i love all the, the special characters how it's 
it's skill-based but it's also a lot of luck you know and it's just funny and silly um so that's one that i i keep coming back to and i'm sure i will keep coming back to over the next few years um at university i studied um digital art and that's where i picked up uh, a programming language called VVVV or 4V. And for me, it was like playing a video game because um, on the screen you have nodes. So you type in an input and then you could make a bunch of nodes to, to make an action happen and it would be put out onto the screen in a renderer. And it had a 3D system, a 2D system. So, I kind of switched a lot of my gaming habits to programming because it was like playing a video. It was, you know, I would have problems and I'd have to find solutions for them. And it, it felt beneficial that I was really learning some skills that I could apply in the real world. So I more or less went, you know, full time playing this. I put all the energy where I'd spent hours on the computer playing Discord or various other games into actually programming. And that sort of carried me through. Um, when I left university, I set up a studio and we made uh, installations, like digital installations for events. Um, and uh, yeah, but at the back of my mind, it was like 4V was this node-based programming and it wasn't widely accepted. I couldn't make games for um, mobile devices. So I decided to start learning Unity and C Sharp um, which obviously led me on to, to learning Blender. Um, and from there, I am where I am today, really. I'm, I'm yet to release my first game, but uh, every day I'm working towards that goal. And I'm hoping that within the next six months or so, um, I'll be ready and have uh, my first Steam launch. But that should just generally give you an idea of uh, my gaming history. If you have any more questions, you are welcome to reach out to me on Twitter, Gareth underscore Untether, um, or you can send a message via the website qualia-game-talk.com.